what we talked about last time was an incident at the pool of Bethesda. And that is there. So if you look at that region, you can kind of see where the pools are. Um, maybe we can zoom in a little bit and get a closer perspective. But you see it's just to the north of the Temple Mount. So if we look up, so just below the picture there is the temple south of this. This is facing north. The Antonia Fortress is actually right on the edge of the temple wall. And so that was the Roman fortress that was there. But then you see over here these two blue squares. This is Bethesda. Okay? This is where those pools were. And so notice um, one suggestion is, is the Sheep Gate was here. That would make sense. Uh, the sheep would come out here. Some have called this the sheep pool where the sheep were cleansed. Some, the, they call it the pool of Israel. I'm not sure why. But in this region, sheep would be gathered and then brought towards the temple. Okay? So remember, it was by the sheep gate, but that's Bethesda. So I'd like to give you a little more uh, perspective. This is um, the... This is the model of the city of Jerusalem. So if you go to Jerusalem by the Israel Museum these days, uh, this is an um, accurate representation of Jerusalem. It's historically and architecturally um, guided, and it's to scale. And when they make a new discovery, they, they change the model to fit that. So that's, uh, that's the Temple Mount. Do you see that? And over here is the pool of Bethesda. Well, I'll show you that in just a minute. But while I'm doing, have you ever noticed anything else of special interest? Oops. In, in, the, in the overall in the picture here. This would not be, uh, I did find one thing that's not historically uh, or theologically accurate. There's a kind of a, something over here in the corner. Can you see what that is? Maybe if I zoomed in a little bit. I don't know how she got up there, but they let her in. Somebody let her in. There she is. So there's the uh, pool of Bethesda. There were two pools. Started with one, became two. Water's always a big deal. You can see the Antonia Fortress um, and the North Temple Wall. Just to kind of give you a perspective, this is where it happened. That's what it looked like, a good approximation in the days of Jesus. Um, here's what it looks like now. This, that green section down there, that's the bottom of the pool. And you can see some structures. There were very couple, at least one uh, crusader castle. There was an early church. So there have been various buildings that were built kind of even over the pools. And so this is kind of, but you go there today, and these are the ruins you will see left of the pool of Bethesda. Here's another. Let me go back. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Can you see anything there? You see her? Okay. All right. Just, just kind of, kind of, yeah, a little, little, little tricky there with the coloring and all that. Good. You see, everybody see her? I'll help you. There she is. Yeah, that's <laughs> And so here's another view, very similar view, different uh, photographer, and you can see that layout there. Actually, I've lost her on this one. Where is she? Down. Oh, goodness, I've lost her. 
I put her in so many. Oh, there she is. That right? Okay. Kind of keeping an eye on things. That's a good question. Sometimes it's, um, yeah, sometimes that's a problem. Like if, you, if, you, if you're in the second temple period, and that's really exciting, but you want to get down to the first temple period, but somehow sometimes you have to destroy first temple. And so what do you do with that? Uh, so one of the things they do in archaeology is they'll just do a, 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 like a single ditch and go down many layers and get a feel for things. So they, rather than just uncover everything, they'll first go down in kind of an exploratory fashion, reveal the various layers, and take it from there. Yeah. But that is a challenge. So that's, an, again, you can see there's walkways you can walk all around in these, this area. Um, uh, no, that's, no, actually, um, let me see if I can. This is in the Arab quarter. Which is, and so you can see there's houses back up there. And so the Antonia Fortress, you can kind of see some elements of it, not at all like what it does. You don't see the towers and all that. You can see um, inside the city, you know, along the Via Dolorosa area. Okay, where is she now? All right, you guys are, get, you guys are good observers. There she is. Yeah, actually that was a puppy picture, so she was a little more noticeable. Okay, so, so just kind of give you a feel. This, again, one of the things, you can go to where this event happened. You can go to the pools of Bethsaida, and it, it happened, this is where Jesus healed this man. Now, right next door to it is the uh, Church of St. Anne. Let's first, before we talk too much more about that, can you see her? She likes sitting out on the grass. See her there? Yeah, okay. Kind of hanging out. I'll have to take her to Jerusalem and... and take pictures in all these places so this is the church of saint anne now there are traditions there and so they would tell you that uh this is where uh saint anne lived and and her daughter was mary the mother of jesus and so uh uh mary was born here uh pardon me and well, yeah, yes, it was, a, you know, and I think it was probably built, you know, it's been built and rebuilt and that sort of thing. But, but that's, the, that's the tradition. That's why it's named after St. Anne, the supposed mother of, of Mary. And so that's a problem. Some of these places you find churches or sites, like if you take, if you're familiar with the, um, the stations of the cross, some of them are legitimate. There might be some questions, did that happen at that place? Um, and some of them are not like this is where saint so-and-so wiped the brow of jesus and her cloth is in some church somewhere well you look in your bible and say i don't see that it's not there you know so but some of these things like i think um this church is definitely by bethesda so it's not the church but it's bethesda that's significant but more but like bethlehem i think that is a very likely spot for where jesus was born in the uh and the place under the church. It is very early recognition. So here's the anyway, the Church of St. Anne's. It's, it's a favorite visiting place. It's not too, you, when you, if you go in from the, uh, you go through the Lion Gate uh, to the church here, and um, inside, this is what it looks like. 
You can walk in and be there. And a lot of times people go in and they'll, they'll sing a song. Uh, so I thought you might like to hear the acoustics. I'm ready to play some uh, music here. Here is a first a violinist. You notice there's no sound equipment. Now, I thought you'd... Same group, by the way. This was a, uh, a Huckabee tour. What's his first name? Mike. Mike. Uh, so I keep wanting to say Bill, but I knew that wasn't it. So Mike Huckabee. This was one of his tours. I think 2017. So here is a singer. Um, to give you a vocal sense. Pretty impressive acoustics, aren't they? Uh, no, they're on YouTube. Um, so just, uh, but I just wanted you to get a sense of it. It's not uncommon to go and a group stop and sing, and some groups uh, that's a better experience than others. <laughs> it's not a matter of acoustics. So, so that's St. Anne's Church next to the Pool of Bethesda. So again, there's the uh, Pool of Bethesda, um, and we saw this picture before. Let's take another look at it from a different angle, different, a little bit different perspective on things. So here is um, what it probably looked. You can see the, the porticos. You can see the places where people laid out. Okay, is my little friend there? Yeah. Yeah, I see her? Yeah. Over there? Yeah. yeah. This is just to make sure you're being good archaeologists and looking at the details. There she is. Okay. So uh, this is an interesting 3D um, thing that's actually an app that you can have on your phone 
um, or computer that I'm using at this, and I just took some screen screenshots. Um, so get rid of that. So this is if we turn. So there you see the the, the wall of the uh, city of Jerusalem, and um, then you see over here. This is the um, Mount of Olives. Do you see where Macy is now this time? Okay. She's hanging out. That's what she likes to just get herself comfortable. So it's kind of interesting. You look, you know, this is what the Mount of Olives doesn't look like this today, but it's a good sense of maybe what it looked like. Though I, uh, here's another angle from now on the Mount of Olives looking to the Temple Mount. And my struggle with that, you see her over there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, but the struggle here is I'm thinking there should be a bridge of some sort across. This is the Kidron Valley right below us, um, but uh, there's uh, discussion of a bridge that uh, went, and so I don't see where that fits in. But, but anyway, just to give you a feel for what things, you can see, by the way, so here's the Antonio Fortress with some fireplace activity, I guess, going on, okay? I think that's helpful. Now we're going to take some uh, cartoony, not cartoony, illustrations that will give us a better feel for what happened. Remember, we already talked about this. Uh, here was the man who um, had been the, who was 38 years ill, couldn't get into the water when the water was stirred. Jesus came up and talked to him and said, do you want to be well? And he said, no person will put me in the water. And so Jesus uh, healed him. And so next we see him, he said, take up your bed and walk. And we see him often doing that. And uh, his friends are all excited, but the, um, the, the Pharisees are very unexcited. He has violated their um, enhanced view of the Sabbath. Uh, when, they've read, when they've had to uh, massively expand, what does it mean to work and not work on the Sabbath? And so they rebuked him for that and said, uh, remember he said, uh, who, told you, who told you to do this? And he said, the man who healed me. And so, but you know, they're concerned more about who told you to break this, our view of the Sabbath instead of who healed you. That would be significant. So he went out and, and he saw Jesus and understood. And, and here's another view of it. Here he is carrying his mat. So that's, when you see he picked up his bed, that's more of what it looked like, okay? And so here he is with her, carrying his bed. The Pharisees, what are you doing carrying the bed? And you see this one saying, who told you to carry that? And uh, then he went out and uh, saw Jesus, and Jesus, uh, you know, he, now he knows who it is, and he went back and explained to them. And from that, we'll see the interaction, and that's where we are tonight. So the Pharisees, and I'm thinking particularly the Pharisees, because they were the ones who had the, all the rabbinic tradition that, that was being violated by Jesus. Now, the Sadducees, why wouldn't the Sadducees? Like what happened? Do you remember about the Sadducees? Pardon me. That's right. Remember, they're I could, they're what I call theists. Theists believe God created, but He's not active. He doesn't do miracles, so they don't believe in an eternal soul. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in miracles. And so, but so they they have a different problem because here's walking evidence. The Pharisees are more concerned about but you're breaking our Sabbath traditions. 
So let's look a little bit at our text that we're looking at next week. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I've been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So here's the question. Why were they trying, why were they seeking to kill Jesus? Because he, he did this work on, the, he, 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 he healed for what, for what he had done. So notice, they're kind of focusing on, not only did you tell the man to work, your healing was work. And so um, the, their, their tradition said, if you, saving a life, you can break the Sabbath. But they would have said, he's, he's had this disease for 38 years. He could, you could have waited another day. And, and so you, you broke the Sabbath. And so that's where they got after him. Then it goes on to say, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. So now, why are they getting really excited about, more, more earnest about wanting to kill him? Yeah, here's an important statement now. He was making himself equal with God. How did he do that? How did he make himself equal with God? Yeah, uh, the, the Jews sometimes would refer to God as our father, but my father, I mean, he was, and the way he's talking, he's making it clear, his father is God. I had a Jehovah's Witness, I could still see it right on our front door, and this uh, two ladies came, and um, we got into the, and, and pretty quickly on, we got into the discussion of the deity of Christ. And, and, uh, and I said to them, I said to one of the ladies, and it was kind of a stretch, but I guess. I said, so do you have any children? And she said, yes, I do. He said, okay. Are, are they of the same nature as you? Are they human? <laughs> of course. Uh, and so when, the, when Jesus said, God is my father, what he's saying is, I'm of the same nature as my father. I am God. And the Jews got that. They didn't accept it, but they understood what he was saying. And for that reason, they wanted to, what was their response? What did they want to do? Kill him. Kill him. This is the first time in the Gospels where um, the earliest mention of the Jewish desire to kill Jesus. And if we, um, if we take this feast as a Passover... It's not dogmatic, but it, you know it's maybe. If this is the second, this would be the second Passover. So his ministry's been going on for a um, year and a half or so by now. But they're ready to kill him because he's saying he, his father is God. Okay. Um, I thought I just mentioned again the Sabbath rules. Uh, these are the 39 categories of work. That the, the, so when the Bible says you shall not work, the rabbis say, what does that mean? And so they, they break it out into 39 categories, and then the, they subcategorize as well. And so, so this is, gives you just a sense of all the things that um, 
they, they de- develop there. Um, I mentioned to you, you can't write uh, two strokes with a pen because that would be, then you're trying to write a word and that would be breaking the law. Um, you cannot turn on a light because that's kindling a fire because uh, it causes a spark. And so uh, in your dorm room, you would, if, you, if you're an observant Jew, you turn on the light the night before and you put a towel over it. I'm not sure what the fire marshal thinks about that, but, uh, but that's, that keeps the Sabbath. Um, and so, so those are the... I, one of the things that was most ironic to me in the, the ultra-Orthodox area of Jerusalem uh, at times, there would be incidents where someone would, be, would drive by on the Sabbath. And the ultra-Orthodox Jews picked up stones and threw them at the cars. And I thought, how is that not? <laughs> but that just kind of shows you things get a little topsy-turvy at times. But you know, just to give you a sense, so when they say you're breaking the Sabbath, you're breaking our tradition's expansion on the Sabbath. Okay. So, pardon me? Well, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to find that. Surely that's under some kind of a list there. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe, there, maybe you're right. Thank you. You'd make a great rabbi. You can throw rocks just. But you, but you can't throw rocks into a pile that could be a wall because then that would be building. Yeah, and you can't, well, you can't carry them right. You can't, can't carry a burden, so. That's right. <laughs> oh. um, so, so anyway, that's, a, that's, that's where he was getting into the issue. So verses 19 to 21. So Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. How does Jesus, what is he doing? What's his argument um, to, against the Jews? Uh, to, how is he answering the Jews? Okay, yeah, so they're saying, you're breaking God's law. And first of all, he says, well, it's my father, but I'm not a rebellious son. Uh, I'm doing what I saw him doing. So in other words, see, here's the key. Um, in different dispensations, there are different laws. You know, like the, in the, under the Mosaic law, the Jew could not blend fabrics. You know, they, it was either cotton or, or wool. You couldn't blend them, etc. And, and that's not true in the church age. But what's always true from age to age is God's moral law. And you see that well expressed in the Ten Commandments. God's moral law doesn't change because God's moral law is a reflection of his character. And so he's saying, I'm not doing anything contrary to God's moral law against God's law because I'm just doing what I saw him doing. And, you know, he, and he'll say at one point... Um, you know, he never stops working. Uh, he's ne- he, never, he never ceases activity. 
he just, so he's, he's busy always, or we would, the world would fall apart. Maybe he stopped, because it sure, no. Uh, but anyway, so, he, so good. So he's saying, I'm, I'm just doing what my father showed me. Um, what else do you see here? Pardon me? Oh, yeah. Uh, to, to, in the Greek, it says, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's the one who directs me in these things. He, um, he, and notice, too, the Father loves the Son. So the Jews saw Jesus as against the Father. Opponents, hostile. Jesus is breaking God's law. And they're going to stand up for God, right? What Jesus is saying is, he and the Father are working together. And so, they're not, they're not in opposition. I'm doing what my Father told me to do. And so they're upset because he's breaking their laws. They're upset because he's saying God is his Father. And they understand he's meaning not in a generic creative way. He is his Father in that they have the same nature. He is divine. By the way, these, these are actual pictures, and it wasn't staged for this, but I was, trying to, I was looking for, I tried to I get in my mind something that would illustrate it. And, and so I came across these pictures. Um, I don't know what's going on here, but the guy on the right, his team just beat the guy on the left. But somehow he found out that the guy on the left's mother is severely ill, uh, with cancer. And so he went up to him and said, you know, expressed his concern. And next thing you know, he's praying for him. So that, so again, that's, that's not just a stage thing that I called up a couple of football players and say, I need a picture. Uh, this is, that's a, that's a sweet thing. They're opponents in the, uh, in the game, but uh, they, then they kneel and pray together. They're both in federal prison now for praying on a public uh, football. But, but anyway, so, but that depicts it. They're saying, you know, you're opposed to God. He's saying, no, 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 you don't get it. <laughs> what he could have said is, someone in this room is opposed to God, and it's not me. <laughs> um, I'm doing what my father told me. I'm doing what my father does. He is my father. He shows me what to do. He's making it very clear that um, they're wrong. <laughs> He goes on, for the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. What powerful truths is Jesus communicating here? What's, what? So these couple of verses are, have some very important statements. Can you see anything? Okay, that's good. Anyone else? <laughs> honor the son like you honor the father. What if I told, stood in front of you and said, you need to honor me as you honor God? Yeah. Time to leave. <laughs> you know? Um, but, but, but what he's saying is that's okay because he's God. Well, let's look. We've got a little list here. First of all, notice he says Jesus is the judge. God's not going to judge anyone. I'm the judge. 
And you could look at... Uh, um, okay, someone read out so, those two passages. Those passages. Someone, Psalm 75, um, 7, and someone, Isaiah 32, 3, verse 22. Who's going to retake the psalm? All right, Cindy. Who's going to do Isaiah? It's in the Old Testament. All right, David. Cindy, Psalm 75. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Okay. Isaiah 33, 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. So going back to our passage, if I can real quickly, notice what Jesus said. The Father judges no one. He has committed all judgment to the Son. And who is the judge? The Lord, Yahweh. That's powerful statement. Again, some people will say, Jesus never claimed to be God. You know, he did not say the exact sentence, I am God. But I am I am before Abraham was. That'll be in chapter 8 if we ever get there. And just these passages. Uh, the Jews knew what he was saying. The, and, and, and so that's helpful. Okay. Another thing that comes out. Notice, this is, this is stunning to me. Jesus is telling them he deserves the same honor the Father deserves. That, only one person can say that. God. Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. He says, I'm not going to share my glory. But he shares it with the Son because they are both uh, God, two, two of the three persons in the one God. So remember, John wants us to know from the very beginning in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And, and he wants us to know he is God. And so here in the interaction with the Jews, um, this, and this is going to stir them up, and they're going to go back and say, we've got to kill this guy. He thinks he's, he's, he's breaking the law and saying he's God. And then he says, to fail to honor Jesus is to fail to honor the Father. If you dishonor me, you're dishonoring God. I would tell you, if you're dishonoring me, you're dishonoring me. And depending on the day it is, you'd probably have good reason to dishonor me. Um, But but he is saying, if you dishonor me... So now notice this. Tell me the significance of that statement. Um, I'll go back and get it right out of his mouth. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Tell me some things that that tells us. Okay. He's equal to Father. Otherwise, he can't say, you honor me, you honor him. Yes. What else? Pardon me? The Father sent him. Very good. Pardon me? He is worthy of honor. So what about the person that says, there are many ways to heaven, you take your way, I'll take my way, and we'll all end up in the same place. That only works in Walmart. <laughs> um, 
what he's saying is if you don't honor the Son, you don't honor God. If you don't honor the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not know God. Again, I, another fellow I was dealing with, uh, I've mentioned before, he was of the... Um, he was, a moon, he was of the Unification Church. We called them Moonies at the time. Uh, and I, got, I was talking with him on the college campus. And, um, and, he was, and, and, and he was, you know, some of these people are really hard to get them to tell you anything about who they are, what they believe. But finally, I, I, I was getting tired of doing the merry-go-round with them. So I said, okay, listen, you're part of the Unification Church. And let's just be very clear. You do not know who Jesus Christ is. Because you deny who he is. And what I want you to understand, and and please hear me and give it careful thought. Go read your Bible. Because if you do not know who Jesus is, then you do not have a relationship with him. And if you do not have a relationship with him, you will not go to heaven to be with him. And I kind of surprised myself because usually I'm not that direct. <laughs> but I just thought, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're playing games here. Let me just, and I tried to be as loving as possible and say, please, go read your Bible. And, and ask God to help you understand who is Jesus because that's the most important question. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you don't honor, honor me, you don't honor God. Pardon me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that ever went. It would be fascinating to get to heaven and say, hey. Hey, do you remember me? You don't look familiar. <laughs> oh, uh, no. You're thinking, are you thinking of the, the, not the moon, did the Moonies shave their head? Hari Krishnas. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to them too. But anyway. So, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but is passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment, also because he's the Son of Man. Now, some things he keeps repeating, and, and this is the kind of passage you read through, and it's, it's not as bad as uh, Chronicles. I just finished the getting through all the son of, son of, son of, for all those sections in Chronicles. And, oh, um, so this isn't that bad, but it's a little dense. Give me some things you learn about Jesus uh, from this passage. Okay. To believe in him is to have, and notice, again, that important word, has. It's a present possession. That's why Jesus could say, remember at the time of Lazarus, do you understand that he who believes in me will never die? That's typical Jesus. There's death and there's death. And so he's saying, yeah, he who who believes in me already has eternal life. Will not come into judgment. That's what he said back in chapter 3, or uh, chapter 3 said to Nicodemus. Okay, what else do you learn about Jesus? It's like the dead got to be able to hear the voice of the Son of God. Yeah, and it's his voice, his call brings to life. And he, again, exercising judgment. So a couple things I see. First of all, he who believes in Christ has eternal life. 
And that picture would reflect that to most of you. Some of you just look at that and say, allergies, but never mind. (laughs) At his voice, the dead will rise to life. Now, we'll have to look at that passage again on Sunday. And is he talking, when he says his voice gives, brings life to the dead, is that saving life or resurrection life? And, and also at his voice, the, the, Jesus will be the judge of the final judgment, the great white throne judgment. And we see that in verses 28 and following. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come forth. Is that making you think of anyone? Lazarus, right? Um, Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can't of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of Father who sent me. So what are, what are some things you see in this section? Let's pick out some truths. He does God's will. Pardon me? He does the will. He does the will. And see, that's one of the things he's saying. I am not disobeying my Father on the Sabbath. I'm the most obedient one to the Father. What else? Judgment's coming, yeah. And he's the one who's going to bring them out of the grave. All all kinds. Got another chalkboard for you. So his voice will summon the resurrection. Two resurrections, some to life, some to condemnation. Remember at Revelation 20, this is the first resurrection. Those who have a part in the first resurrection do not experience the second death. So there are two resurrections, some to life, some to condemnation. So here's what's significant about that. Well, let's talk about the go. To life, that's the rapture before the tribulation. And then um, after the tribulation... The tribulation saints who died and the Old Testament saints are resurrected. So that's resurrection to life. Resurrection to condemnation, that's the great white throne. Two resurrections, some to life, some to condemnation. So so again, he's talking judgment. He's talking resurrection. He's talking, um, but here's what I was going to say. Some people will say, um, they, they teach a doctrine of annihilationism. Believers are raised to eternal glory in heaven. Unbelievers go to torment for a while, and then they just cease to exist. That's the doctrine of annihilation. But notice, there are two groups both are resurrected. Both, so in other words, what he's saying is they're running parallel courses. One is to life and one is to judgment. And if, and if this life goes, if this resurrection body eventually fades, annihilates, then how can this one continue? So he's saying there are two eternal destinies. 
And he's saying, I'm the one that brings you out either to glory and life or to condemnation. So Jesus was saying very powerful things to himself. And again, he seeks his Father's will in all things. Okay? I think that might be it. End of slideshow. So there's a lot kind of, the way he says it, it's a little dense to think through, but, but do we get the picture of who Jesus is? And um, as you walk through it, first of all, we see that he always obeys his father. He didn't break the Sabbath. He, he is God himself. He's of the same nature. He is the son of God. And if you don't honor him, see, that's what he's, later on, chapter 8, he said, well, if you believe Moses, you're going to believe in me. So what does that tell us about rabbinic Judaism? It doesn't believe the Bible. Because if it really believed the Bible, it would believe in Jesus. And so, uh, there, and, there, and, and another theory that's out there is there's a two-covenant system. There's two ways of salvation. To Christians, it's faith in Jesus Christ. To Jews, it's obedience to the law. Does that, how does that fit with what Jesus is saying here? If you don't honor the Son, you do not honor God. There are not two paths, and there are a hundred paths. So we see, in one sense, he's, he's teaching that he is God, and he's also teaching there's no other way. And the issue of our eternal destiny is, what is our relationship to Jesus Christ? Do we recognize him and do we honor him for who he is? God in the flesh. When I made those points to that Jehovah's Witness lady, she nearly sprinted off of my porch. She didn't want to be in the same presence. That was, that was just unheard of that I would say such things. And so her reaction is kind of a picture of these Jewish folks. They're, they're saying, we've got to kill this guy. This is terrible. So, any other thoughts on that? Yes, sir. It said uh, that Jesus, Jesus said, I will judge. And my judgment is righteous. It is right. Yeah. You will get, uh, I will not violate justice. I was going to say you will get what you would deserve. For those who trust in Christ, they don't deserve what they get. But in other words, no one will be condemned unjustly. Because they would say, oh, but we have kept all the laws. And to which the answer is, you have distorted my laws. You've distorted my name. And when I sent the Messiah to, to you, you crucified him. That's what, you know, Peter's going to say that in Jerusalem. A little bit later on, we see that in Acts. And when they finally, when some of the Jews there think, oh no, what, what have we done? You know, because there's no going back. Some things you can say, well, I'm buyer's remorse. We can't go back on this one. We, we crucified, and so the brothers, what do we do? And so he said, if you will send in money on a monthly basis, I'll send you this little cloth. No, but, it, but again, the issue is Jesus in, 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 in a very simple way. Yeah, they came out as they're the experts and they're the authorities. And 
And Jesus stands up and, and gets it to him very directly. So again, the, the people, if you read through this and people say, Jesus never said he was God. You know, one of the questions we might ask is, have you read the Gospel of John? You know, that sentence, maybe not. Read the Gospel of John. What's he saying? The Jews figured it out. They didn't like it. They didn't accept it. But they knew what he was saying. Okay, well, next week, our, book, our groups, and so because of that, I hate to tell you, but there will be no pictures of Macy to find. Um, matter of fact, when I was home, I, tried to, I, I, I took a couple extra pictures. I feel like I need a little variety here. And you know what? She hasn't changed that much, so. Okay. Well, let's pray, and then we will go to our prayer time. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is clear and that our Lord Jesus Christ was clear. He is God. And yet as God the Son, he submitted to the Father and did your will, honored you, and you honor him. And Father, thank you for the clarification, the clarity that when we honor him, we honor you. And when we dishonor him, we dishonor you. Father, may our lives, may our words, may our thoughts bring honor and glory to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.